Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. I hope everybody's had a good day today. We're going to have a good night continuing here as we come into this place. And I'm going to share with you tonight uh, a subject that I've uh, entitled Exploring Faith. Now, you know what it means to explore. That's when you examine, when you begin to burrow, you begin to dig into something and you begin to research. So that's what I want to do tonight. You know, if a a person is in the medical field or uh, scientific world, you know, that kind of thing, a lot of times they'll get, um, you know, uh, the magnifying glass and they'll, they'll begin to look and they'll begin to search out things. They want to find out, you know, what's causing a certain thing to happen the way it happens. They want to discover, you know, what makes it work, what, what they can do to come against it, to stop it, or to help people. And so when we're talking about faith tonight and we're talking about exploring faith, that's what we're going to be looking into. We're going to put it under the microscope tonight and we're going to look and we're going to search out some things about faith. Now, what I want every one of us to do, I want us to be open to the Holy Spirit because we have to remain teachable. How many of you know that? Sometimes when you think you know everything about faith, then God can't show you anything because you know it all anyway. But how many of us know that's not true? No matter how much we know, there is still more to know. Now, it's something about when you are a person of the Word and you love the Word and you read the Word and you search things out in the Scripture, I'm always amazed, Sarah, that I'm continually finding things out that I didn't know. And tomorrow, it'll be a new day, and I'll discover some new things. And so the horizons are great with the Lord. And there's always things that we can learn and discover, but we must remain teachable. And you know, how many times have you read a scripture? You may have read it a hundred times, no kidding. And you, this last time you read it, you look at it, and all of a sudden, it's just like it pops out. Do you know what I'm saying? It just pops out, and God begins to take that scripture, give you a glance, a slant, an insight that you haven't had before. And see, I believe those are the kinds of things that are gonna to happen tonight in our life as we explore the subject of faith from the scripture, not what a person says. Now, if you um, read about Paul writing to Timothy, I think it's in Second Timothy, and he speaks to Timothy and he said, Timothy, I'm looking at your life and I observe the unfeigned faith that is in you, but I know this, it was in your grandmother before it was in you, and it was in your mother before it was in you. This unfeigned faith is a, a unpretentious 
You know, sometimes you pretend in faith. You pretend to believe. You pretend to stand on the word of God. You pretend to act like you, you believe a certain thing when in your heart, you really don't. And see, Paul looked at Timothy and he said, this is, this is true faith that is in you and it's true faith that was in your grandmother and it's true faith that was in your mother also and it abides in you today. And see, that's what we're looking for, the true faith, not pretending because, you know, in the faith walk, now I will say this, a lot of times that when we're new in the Lord and we're new in the scriptures and things of the spirit, we may have to pretend a little bit before we, you know, get it and, and, and are able to walk in some things. And okay, I understand that. But you know, this is not a game. Faith and living for the Lord and, and standing on the scripture, this is not a game. This is real life. And he'll give you real victory when you take his word with faith in your heart and begin to apply it to your situation. Now, as I'm talking tonight, there's all kinds of situations that are in this room that are in people's lives and surrounding them that need to be changed. So when I talk about exploring faith, I'm talking about there are things, there are truths that can come forth this night and it can change that and it can break it off of your life. But now if you just pretend, it'll make no difference at all. But we're not pre people who pretend, are we? We're people who believe. And we're people of action. Amen? Faith without actions, the Bible talks about, is dead. So you got to act on what you see. Now, as I'm talking about faith tonight, the first place I want to start is in Romans 10. Uh, and we're going to start with verse 8 and read on down to verse 10. Now, the first thing I want you to know is faith is in two places in your life. Okay, and it tells us that in Romans 10, 8. But what says it? What is it? Faith. What? How does faith talk? What does faith say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And so he, here we see faith is in two places. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Now, as we keep reading, we'll understand a little bit more here that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, isn't that interesting? He said that you would be saved. And this word uh, saved has to do, uh, it's a word sozo, and it means to deliver, to protect, to heal, to save, and to make whole. And so here he's saying uh, that the Lord Jesus, if you believe in him, uh, and confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then this sozo will begin to work in your life. How many of you know people, and maybe it's happened to you, when you came to the Lord 
and you believed in your heart and you confessed Jesus and you might have been hooked on drugs, you might have had all kinds of issues and problems, but because of the sozo of God that touches your life, you are delivered, you are made whole and other people struggle and struggle and struggle, but it is instantaneous. Now, I wish it happened to everybody like that and I believe it can if we lay hold of it, but it, it doesn't. Some people struggle and their minds have to be renewed and, and that kind of thing. But I'm here to tell you that the miracle working power of God to make people whole and deliver them is in the word of God. And it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. And if you begin to speak to those issues, the things that you're dealing with, whether it's in your life, around your life, if you begin to speak the sozo of God, this salvation, you begin to speak that deliverance out of your mouth and it's in your heart and you're not pretending and you really believe it's in two places. And I'm going to tell you, it has to go. It has no choice. This these, you know, what, what we're reading, these are laws that God has set up. He put laws in the earth. He put laws out for, for his people. And if we operate by, and I'm not talking about some legalistic, I'm just talking about if you do this, this is what happened. If you do this, that's what happens. That's the kind of thing he set in motion. So if we do it, oh, well, you know, I don't believe that. I'm just going to do it my own way. See, that's what the the United States and even the world is in trouble today because we're doing it our own way. Well, that's not going to fly. That won't get it. You can change whatever you want, but you got to do it God's way. And if you want the so-so of God in your life, you're going to have to do it his way, not try to rewrite it to fit your circumstances. You must take what the scripture says and you must believe it and you must Say, this is the truth. This is the way of the Lord. This is the way I'm going to walk. It doesn't matter what other people do. Let them go the direction that they're going. You know, you try to warn people, but some people don't want to be warned. They like being deceived. And the spirits of delusion are loose in the land. Okay, so he said, um, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, you got to believe with the heart. See, how did you get saved? You got saved by confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, by accepting him, believe that he died on the cross that he shed his blood for your sin and that he was raised again from the dead. You believe those things. You confessed him as your Lord and Savior. And what happened? Eternal life came into you. Did you see it? Did you see anything happen? No, you didn't see anything happen. Did you feel anything? Well, sometimes you feel things. And sometimes you don't. It doesn't matter what you feel. See, we're trying to touch and see and hear. We're, we're trying to contact that realm. But God is in another realm. 
God is in a dimension that we can't see, but we take it by faith. And so we got born again because we believed in our heart that he was the son of God and raised from the dead for, for us. And then we confessed him. Well, so how do you get the sozo, the delivering power of God? How do you get the salvation that it talks about? You know what? If you think about salvation, really it, it means to deliver. That's what that word means, to deliver and to make you whole. How did, you know, how do you get anything? You get it by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. All the time we hear people that make fun of, you know, uh, what you, you can have what you say. Look, you can make fun of that and you can go on doing without if you want. But I believe it, and I'm going to operate in that law of the kingdom. And if you operate in that law of the kingdom, then you're going to get the results that God says that you can have. And many of us, we're doing without. We don't have what we need. We don't have the breakthroughs that we need. But if we will begin to focus in, I don't care what's going on in your life. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that I don't care and have compassion for you. I'm just saying it doesn't matter about all of that. Nothing is too difficult for God. I have faced things in my own life and try to figure it out with my mind. How in the world could this ever be worked out? How in the world could this ever change or be different? How many of you have had similar situations? You try to figure it out in your mind. But the Bible says don't lean to your own human comprehension and understanding. Don't try to figure it out. God spoke to me not too long ago about someone who was talking to me uh, about some issues that they were facing. And I knew, and, and I did share it with them. And, and I did say, you know what? You're trying to figure everything out. Don't try to figure it out. Lean on the word of God. Let it hold you up when the storms of life come. It's a firm foundation and you're not sinking and you're not going down. Don't try to figure it out. And I understand that some personality types are that way. So you're going to have to work harder to overcome what, what I'm talking about here. But you've got to lean not to your own understanding, but trust. Everybody say trust. Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And you know, it's very interesting, the word trust I've shared this before and I share it a lot because it's such a great truth. The word trust in the Lord is a wrestling term. What does that mean? That means you have to get those fears and you have to wrestle them down. I trust the Lord. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding here. You have to wrestle down your doubt and unbelief. You have to wrestle it out of the way. And that's how you trust God. If you were in a wrestling match, 
Anybody ever been in a wrestling match before? I mean, I'm talking about the real McCoy. You have. Yeah, well, I've never done anything like that, but I have watched it. But I'm telling you, when people wrestle, they're in there, and one of them is determined. Well, both of them, really, they're determined that they're going to win. One of them is going to win, and they're going to get the other one plastered on the floor, and they're going to be the victor. Well, that's what you need to do. You need to plaster down on the floor your fear, your doubt, your unbelief. Whatever it may be, wrestle it down and trust God in your situation. Trust Him. There's nothing. You know, people will let you down, and you can grow up in a home where you can't trust your, you know, maybe a mother or father or something like that. And I, I hope that's not the case, but we know that it's true sometimes. Uh, but, you know, because you suffered that and because you went through that, don't think that you can't trust your heavenly father, that he's going to get you out in the middle of the water and not hold you up. Ask Peter. He got out of the boat, and some of us need to get out of the boat. He got out of the boat, and he said, Jesus, bid me to come to you, if that's really you, because they thought he was a ghost, you know, at first. And so Jesus said to, to Peter, come, and he stretched out his hand to take Peter and, and then we know Peter started walking on the water. Has any man ever walked on the water? I've never heard of anybody that's done that since Peter. Have you? Jesus, we know, did it, but not a man. But here's Peter, and he's walking on the water. But the, something happens. He begins to look around at all the waves and everything. You know, the, the boisterous waters, as the Scripture talks about. He begins to look at that, and then he begins to sink. Now, I've never understood that because whether there's waves or storms and you're walking on the water, that's a miracle, regardless of, you know, what's going on around you. But you know what? Jesus took his hand and he didn't let him sink. And when we, you know, faith is about taking risks sometimes. Did you know that? I'm not, now listen to me. Everybody listen. When I say that, I'm not talking about people who do ridiculous things that don't pray about things, that don't get the mind of Christ about things. But I'm talking about that hear God, that take those steps of faith, do what he's called them to do, and watch them walk on the water and get where they need to be. That's the kind of risk I'm talking about. It's a, it's a risk that where you spend your time before the Lord and you're on your knees before God and you get his plan and you get his purpose and then you take that risk. You know, that's exactly how Redemption Church is here because two kids many years ago said that we were going to serve God no matter what, no matter if anybody went with us, no matter if we lost friends probably had people all around us that didn't understand, family that didn't understand, you know, that kind of thing. And we just, we went on a fast and we prayed and we got before God and God began to speak a word to us. Do you know God speaks today? 
He spoke a word, a prophetic word up out of our hearts. And he said, I want you to go to Knoxville because we were in California. God, we just left Knoxville. We didn't even think we'd ever be back there to live again. I want you to go back to Knoxville. See, we had to wrestle that down. Wrestle down our trying to figure that out. We left, and now you're bringing us back. Well, you know, I figured out this much. He had to cause us to separate from our possessions. He had to cause us to separate ourselves from um, uh, bindings that were around us, religious bindings that were around us. And we had to, to, you know, we sold our home. We got rid of that. And that was a hard, that was difficult. It was for me, that thing was pulled out of my heart. If you'd ever told me that a house had me, I would say, you're lying. But that day when I stood before the Lord and we were getting ready to leave that house for the last time, I felt like God just reached down into my heart and began to pull out the roots of the possessions. And I said at that point, possessions will never have me. I might have possessions, but they will never have me. And if God says, do this, it's done. If he says, do that, it's done. And see, that's the way we have to live, isn't it? You have to take risks sometimes when you walk by faith. And we did that. We got back here and people were telling us, we don't need another church in Knoxville. And it's like, you're telling me that we don't need another church in Knoxville? Well, evidently God doesn't agree with you about that. There wasn't a church like we knew that God wanted us to have. There wasn't. Now, there were denominational full gospel churches, but they did not believe the way that we did. They did not worship the way that we knew that God would have us to do. And so we get, went against the grain and we got out of the boat and walked on the water. And you know, many of you, you have your story to tell. If you were standing here, you could tell your story of how you've taken risk. And some of you, you're at the door, the, the doorway of that. And, and God wants you to do some things for him. And again, it's not what you dream up. It's not what you decide you want to do. It's what he's putting in your heart. You know, the thing about it is with us doing what we did here to, to start this church in 1978, uh, after we did that, I bet there's been a hundred churches that came after we started this church. And many times they would hear the story about how we did it. And when we came back, the Lord spoke to Eddie. He didn't speak to me. He spoke to Eddie and he said, I don't want you to go back in the workaday world. Don't get connected back in that. I will take care of you. He told Eddie that. And so I thought, well, that's good. You know, that's fine for you, Eddie. Good for you. And so I'm going back to work because the people where I worked would have taken me back. You know, it's always good to leave right. Okay, so, all right, I'm going back into, you know, the workaday world where I was. And Eddie said, no, you don't get it. It's you too. 
You are not to go back into the, and it's like, are you, are you serious about this? Are you sure you heard God on this? <laughs> but during that time, Eddie would go to his study like he had a job every day, and the study was in our home. And every day he would go into that little study that, that he had in that rental home that we had, and he studied in there eight, 10, 12 hours a day. I mean, he was, he was on it, you know, and, and I would do the things, you know, that I knew to do. I would get up early and be so sleepy and, uh, you know, go into my living room and I would pray and seek God and, um, you know, read the word and do what I needed to do. And, and, you know, at that, that point in time that we had two employees, that was Eddie and me. And so I did all the, you know, everything, um, that needed to be done administratively, you know, that was me, that's what I did. And so people heard that, they heard what we, that's what we're gonna do. I said, when you take a risk and you get out of the boat, you know that you've heard from God. And one word from God can change everything. But if you're just going to do something because someone else did it, it's not gonna work. But here's the thing, you know, we can be inspired by people and we can learn through them. But you know what God has called me to do and what he's called you to do. You don't have to be just like someone else. You don't have to mimic them. I remember years ago, and this was when we were still in California before we came back here to start this church. And I went to the uh, church and the, the man that was up preaching was the associate in the church, okay? And <clears throat> I think it was the first time that we went into that church and we had to drive a good ways to get there, but we had heard some good things about it. And so we went to that church. So that day when uh, the, the pastor of the church wasn't there and this young associate got up to preach, uh, it, it was just, I couldn't believe it because... Um, it was like a, a Kenneth Copeland, you know, guy that was up there trying to act like Kenneth Copeland. And I'm thinking, now, and he had some good things to say, so I'm not, I'm not speaking to put him down. What I'm saying is he was still finding his way. He was like I was, you know, that's where he was. But I know him today, and he preaches and speaks, and he doesn't preach like Kenneth Copeland. Now, is there anything wrong with Kenneth Copeland? No. He says some marvelous things, doesn't he? And he's a great man of God. But you see, we've got to be who we are and not who someone else is. That's very important. Amen? All right. So what we have to do is we have to know where faith is. It's in our heart and it's in our mouth. So we confess and then we believe. Amen? Um, I just want to say this. You need to know when to pray and you need to know when to say. Say when to pray, when to pray. and when to, when to say. See, a lot of times this is what I do. I begin to pray, and in the process of prayer, then I start to say. I take it to the Lord, and I pray, and then after I pray, I don't keep going back again and again and again with the same prayer. 
I go back maybe with thanksgiving, Lord, I thank you that you heard me. But then I began to say, I began to speak. I thank you, Lord, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed if I need healing in my body. I thank you, Lord, that you meet every need according to, my, to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, you begin to say, you pray, and then you say. So understand when to do which one. Sometimes, see, I think we're praying, and we're not praying in faith. And, and so what we need to do is we need to start saying and speaking out the Word of God. Amen? That's very, very important. Can you say amen? amen. Now, Matthew 11 and verse number 12, it says, The violent take it by force. What is it? It is the thing that you need to happen in your life. The violent take it by force. Now, this is talking about when you press. A violent person will press in. And this is when you begin to press in in the spirit. Say press in. Press in. Now, Mark eleven twenty six four says, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. You know what that means? Take it by force. Believe that you take it. That's mine. And the devil says, you can't have it. You're unworthy. You know what you did. The Bible says the things that you desire when you pray, when you pray it, you believe that you take it. Well, I hope God... Here's my prayer. Hope is good. Hope is important. But hope is not faith. And don't get the two confused. If you're just hoping, it's not going to bring it to you. But if you're in faith, take it. It's yours. Did you see it when you prayed to take it? No, you didn't. You didn't see it with your human eyes. You didn't see anything happen. You didn't know of any change other than you believe God and you trust him. And you know that his word is true. So the things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive or take them and you shall have them. Well, I'm just waiting on God. No, I've got a word for you. God is waiting on you. Amen. Now, see, we're talking about exploring faith here. And so we're talking about real things, real people in real life where it is. And we can get mixed up in these areas and we can get off track and off course, but God wants us to stay on course. Now, listen to God's word translation, this Mark 11, uh, Matthew eleven twelve. From the time of John the baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people have been seizing it. So you've got to press in. You've got to force 
what belongs to you. And I've said it for many years in prayer. We are enforcers when it comes to God's word. We are the enforcers. He said it. He stands behind it to make it happen. But the enforcement comes through God's people. And you seize it and it's yours. Amen. Um, let's turn to Philippians um, chapter number three. Let's turn over there. 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or attained, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, I want you to listen to this, but this one thing I do. Now, we, you know, I'm a person who is, uh, I can be a multitasker. You know, when I, okay, some of you, you relate to that. You know that. Other people, you know, you got, it, it's more structured and, you know, you keep things. You know, it, it, there's no right or wrong. It's just how you are. You know, but a person like me who, you know, juggles a lot of things at one time. See, I have to hear this. This one thing I do. This one thing I do, not 15 things, not 10 things, but this one thing I do. What did he say? Forget those things which are behind. Who said this? Who? Paul said this. He said, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forth unto the things that are before. I stretch out what's before me to get it. Now, I want to say this to you. I forget those things which are behind me. Now, you just think, well, okay, Paul, you know, he was there when Stephen was stoned, held the coat of the person, you know, that picked up a rock to, uh, you know, to kill Stephen. And all those people were there that day. And Paul went through, uh, uh, you know, Jerusalem and all around. And he would get Christians who believed that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior and raised from the dead. And he would get those disciples of Jesus and he would take them and throw them in prison. He would be a party to their beatings and persecutions, and there were many people that were killed and enslaved during that day. And Paul was responsible for that in such a way that even the disciples, you know, the, the 12 disciples themselves wouldn't have anything to do with him at first because they knew what kind of a man that he had been. He was zealous. It was a religious zealous, not as the zealousness of God, but a religion, a man-made thing that, you know, is uh, going to do it this way by the law. Got to wash your hands. Got to do this. Got to do that. That was the kind of, you know, letter of the law. Dot every I, cross every T. Well, that sounds good. Maybe. But what? But it made him hate people, kill people, and that, you know, that's not the Lord. That's just a form of religion. That's all it is. But now another thing I want you, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind me. Now, some of us need to listen to that because it's not all about persecution. Maybe you've done things that have been there and he is talking to you and, and, and you don't need to take that into your future. You've got to drop it and let it go. 
And if you have to one last time take it before the Lord and confess it and get it taken care of to move on, then do it. But you know, once you, the first time you confessed it, he didn't remember it anymore. I'm saying that because sometimes, you know, we have to go through some formula, you know, maybe to get where we need to be. But the fact of the matter is there, do what it takes to let it go and drop it and don't pick it back up again. You know, it can be in your home, in a marriage, and you know, you can say and do things to one another and hurt and harm each other, but there has to come a time where forgiveness is extended and you drop it and let it go once you ask each other, forgive me for what I said, forgive me for what I did and then talk to the Lord about it, and then drop it and let it go. Now, see, I know how some people are, so a husband or wife, that, you know, one may let it go, but the other one keeps bringing it up. Well, that's not right. Once you've worked your way through that, you don't need to keep bringing that up again because you need to drop it and you need to let it go. But another thing in Paul's life was not just those uh, Christians that he had persecuted and even killed. It wasn't just that. It was on a positive note. It was maybe all the things that he had done for the Lord that were wins and, and victories and people, you know, admired him and people that look and, and, and see, I let that go. This one thing I do, I let it go. I release it. Everything good or everything negative. I'm not going, well, I'm the great one and I have arrived. Should you show it respect? Yes. And if you don't, you're wrong. We should show respect where and honor where it's due. But the thing about it is we can get big, the big head. Anybody ever heard about the big head? Some people get the big head. But you can't do that in the kingdom. Do you rejoice over your victories and your wins? Yes, and people celebrate with you. But you see, you have to do something, and that is you have to forget those things that are behind you. You got greater things ahead, and you reach forth into those things which are before. Amen? You can't reach forward and hold on to what is back. You remember Lot's wife? What did she do? She looked back. And see, that's what people do so many times. They just look back. They look back to the way their life was. They look back to the day before they got married. They look back, uh, you know, before they became a Christian. They look back. And see, don't be enticed back into that. Because that is all a trick. That's a strategy and a trick. Amen. All right. And then he goes on to say, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And see, we're talking about the violent take it by force. And you press in and you seize what God has for you. Amen. And here again, Paul is talking about, I press toward the mark. I press forward and seize 
what belongs to me? Does God have something that he wants you to do? Some of you have been called into business. You got a press. Some of you, he's called you to higher education. You've got a press. Some of you, he's called to different things. You've got a press. Press on in. Amen. And so that's important for you to remember. Now, Matthew 9, 27 through 30. It's talking about blind. Um, no, th um, this one's not Bartimaeus. It's two blind men who were crying out to Jesus. Now, it's very interesting. Um, he asked them, do you believe, Jesus asked the two blind men, do you believe I am able to do this? See, Jesus is asking us that tonight for the things that we need in our life. Do you believe that I can do that for you? Do you believe that? See, we have to ask ourselves that question. He asked those two blind, what were those blind men going after? They were going after their healing. They wanted their sight back. And he said, do you believe I can do that for you? And God's asking the same question today. Do you believe you're, you're asking God, do this for me, Lord. I need you to do that for me. And he's saying, do you believe that I can do that for you? It's the same. It's the same today. And then we look at blind Bartimaeus. That's always an interesting story, and I love to look at it, and I want us to turn there. And this is in Mark 10. In Mark chapter number 10, we're going to look at this, and we're going to see the story of blind Bartimaeus in verse number 46. And they came to Jericho, and this is talking about Jesus and his company. And they uh, came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho, now in Jericho, uh, you know, that's where the priests and the Levites were. This is where the religious people were. They were in Jericho. And he was with his disciples and a great number of people. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, for he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this is... Uh, very interesting here, this word mercy, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus is saying, Jesus, live in my body. Get in my skin. See what it's like not to be able to see. Experience this with me, Lord, and help me. Have mercy on me. Now, he began to shout, but all those people that were around, he, he wasn't just, Jesus, over here I am, Jesus. No, he began to yell out and he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, Lord. I need you to touch me, to heal me. I'm not ashamed to cry out to God, are you? 
And when he heard that, it was Jesus. He began to cry out and say, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him, Be quiet, hold your peace. You're embarrassing everybody. But he cried the more. In other words, he didn't let it stop him at all. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. Now I'm going to tell you, when you get Jesus' attention... He's running the universe. Who was that? That's somebody down there in Knoxville. What is it that they need? See, that's the cry of faith. Now listen to this. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise. He calls thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now, I think this casting of the garment away is really important because it's said that when a person was legitimately blind, they would give them a coat. And this coat was signifying to everyone that this person was really blind. You know what that reminds me of today? People that are asking you for money. I need it. You know, I've got to feed my kids. And the minute you turn your head, they're going out to the liquor store or to buy a joint or something when you give it to them. But see, so there were probably people just like that in that day who were taking advantage of people. And so they would give the coat to the one who was legitimately physically handicapped. And so he wore that coat and everybody that looked at him as he begged for money, they went, well, this is a legitimate need I'll give to that person. Okay. So what did he do? The first thing when Jesus said, rise up and come to me. After he cried out to Jesus, he threw that coat off. I don't need that coat anymore. I don't want to be blind anymore. I don't want people to have to take care of me. You know, I've known people, and honest to God, this is the truth. They would get on disability and, and really be healed but they didn't want to talk about it or tell anyone because they thought they would lose their disability. Well, that is a quandary. And if you're living on that and you don't have a job, I understand that. But somewhere, you know, you've got to trust God and you've got to admit what God does. And then, because I think if you don't, I think that'll just come right back on you. Come right back on you because you're entertaining that. I'm not saying that's an easy solution. But I'm just saying that happens. I've seen it happen. So, you know, I've not walked in their shoes, so I don't know what that's like. But here we see Bartimaeus off. That coat is off. Now, another thing I see that coat as, and this is my translation, that's religious tradition. And if you're going to get anything from God, you're going to get rid of religious tradition. I'm not talking about godly. There's godly tradition. We know that. And the word of God is godly tradition. And we're to hold on to that. But man-made tradition, religious tradition, throw it off just like a coat. Get it off. You know, the Bible tells, uh, tells us, you know, to, uh, to get rid of our sin. And if you look that up, it's talking about like taking soiled clothing off. 
In other words, we have, we're, we're wearing, you know, the sinful life and we just take it off like a coat. You have to do that by faith. You don't do that in yourself, in your flesh, but you receive his um, forgiveness and his cleansing and then you take it off. Take off that dirty coat. Take off that religious tradition. Take off that label of blind. Amen? And so, um, and casting away his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? Now Jesus comes to us tonight. And what is it? that you would have me do for you, Jesus says. What is it? What is that thing in your... Well, I prayed about it and nothing happened. The thing I'm telling you tonight. Now, there's so much more to say and I'm out of time. But just in what you've heard tonight, if you don't know anything else, but many of you do know much more than that, but if you just do what you're hearing tonight, you can see your circumstances change. But you don't know what I'm going through. You're exactly right. I do not. But I know one who does. I know one who is aware of what's going on in your life. And he's saying to you tonight, what is it that you would have me do for you? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.